Food is fuel for your body, your mind, and definitely your sport. But let's face it, nutrition is confusing and the expectations on girls and women to be thin and have a six pack are exhausting. If you've ever been frustrated with your body, confused about nutrition, obsessed with eating healthy or guilty when you don't, underate, overate, or overtrained and overwhelmed with all the pressure, then this podcast is for you. Nutrition can be easy. You can take control of it, but it might start with letting go of control by asking for help and making a change. I'm Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, sports dietitian and owner of Rise Up Nutrition, where I empower female athletes to overcome nutrition concerns and perform at their highest level, to stop being confused by all the mixed or harmful messages, and finally have confidence in your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. This podcast is brought to you by our wonderful partners, Prevenix, Inside Tracker, Orgain, Practice Better, and Jen and Carrie. Stay tuned to hear more about these amazing companies that I am partnered with and check out our show notes for discounts and deals. But for now, let's get right to the conversation. Hello, fans and listeners. Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, your host of the podcast, sports dietitian and owner of Rise Up Nutrition. I love doing episodes like today because I am here with one of my clients. She is a uh, past client of the Female Athlete System of Transformation, which is our unique 12-week program to help female athletes overcome disordered eating and perform at their highest level. And she's also a current member of our alumni program. So she's able to, you know, stay in the community to get nutrition, resources, tips, recipes, and support as, as she continues her journey with fueling. So Elena is from Germany and currently living in the United States competing as a track and field athlete in college in the NCAA. She's a sprinter and a hurdler. And Elena, thank you so much for being willing to share your story on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I thought it'd be nice to start this conversation. We were talking off air kind of about your why, about why you want to come on the podcast and share your story, because I just want to share with our listeners how difficult this actually is for clients. Like sometimes you hear people's stories and you're like, oh my gosh, that's so inspiring. They're so brave. But the reality is it's it's still really hard to share a personal story with the world, you know, who knows who's listening. And so can you share some of, you know, the reasons that motivated you for why you want to share your story today? Yeah. So for me, it's really a big thing to share my story today because I never really talked with anyone about it and kind of dealt with it more on privacy in my head. And I really want to share that today because I know how hard for me sometimes where, and it's important to help. And I really want to maybe at least help one who listened to that today and can see some similarities and really knows that it's okay to struggle and that they may be going to see for help earlier than I did. And it's really about helping someone who may is in the position where I was some years ago and or or parents that are listening to that and see 
kind of restrictive behaviors in their kids to help them then. Yeah, absolutely. And you brought up something that I know a lot of people, myself included, resonate with, which is this is something you really struggled with on your own. Very few people in your life knew anything about what was what you were thinking, what you were feeling, what some of your actions and behaviors around food or body might have been. It was really an internal struggle. And and that's really hard to deal with this on your own. I think coming to Rise Up Nutrition and coming to me was really a turning point for you because it was one of the first times that you started openly talking to somebody about this. You were proactive in, in self-help, you know, trying to fix things on your own. But when you came to Rise Up Nutrition, that was one of the first times of really opening up. So that was a huge transformation. And then now we can see here we are actually a little bit over, over, it's been over a year that you and I have yeah. known each other. Um, so here we are over a year later, we're not, now you're willing to open up to other people as well and share this. So th- that's right there is a huge transformation, right? So let's go back a little bit to the beginning. And Elena, I would love if you could maybe just explain uh, some of the struggles that you were experiencing about a year ago when you first came to Rise Up Nutrition. What was that motivation to say, you know what, I'm going to call up Lindsay, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to get help for what's going on. What was going on for you? So like I said, I was struggling with restrictive eating for a longer time already, but did my own research as a scientist that's kind of my thing and really reading a lot about it with COVID I had more time and I read a book about intuitive eating and thought that this is really something what seems to make a lot of sense for me as the just relationship with food was not in a good point at that time and then I listened to a lot of podcasts and heard one episode where Lindsay was a guest and then started to listen to your podcast. And after a few episodes, I reached out to you because I did not felt like knowing how I could eat intuitively and how to learn to eat intuitively as an athlete, because nutrition is an important part of being an athlete. And you cannot just ignore that. You have to eat, which is the difficult thing about learning or healing the relationship with food because you never can just let it out for a while. You really Mm -hmm. always still have to eat and to rebuild that relationship. I reached out to Lindsay and I even talked with her twice before I signed up because I was not really sure if it is the part that I want to go and I'm really glad that I signed up because it changed so much in such a short period of time. Yes. Yeah, I think you were you were so curious about intuitive eating. And I think this, you know, I'm not there's other programs and people to help out there for sure, but one of you were so curious about intuitive eating, you were like, I think that I want this, but what you were hung up on at that time was but I'm an athlete. Right. And so I think that's where working with me was good because I'm not over here claiming to be 
you know, solely an intuitive eater provider. I'm, I'm a sports dietitian first and foremost. And then within that realm, I deal with a lot of intuitive eating and also a lot of disordered eating. Like it's kind of all encapsulating. And so I think this was the perfect place for you because we were able to, you know, treat you as an athlete and focus on your needs. And at that time, actually, when we started working together, you hadn't yet secured your spot uh, with a scholarship in in the States just yet. So like this was still very, you were like, I'm curious about intuitive eating, but like my performance really matters right now, you know? And obviously I already spilled the beans there that you did reach that (laughs) goal athletically and are, are in the States now competing. But yeah, you had this really strong interest in intuitive eating. And I think too, that was after years of struggling with the mental side of food. So you found intuitive eating, you found like this book that described it as this could be a solution for my struggle. So let's backtrack a little bit too, and and talk more about what was that mental struggle with your relationship with food? Maybe if if you're willing to share when it when you first noticed it in your life. Yes, so I'm doing track and field since I'm four years old, actually. So I'm Kind I know. Of, People over in Europe start young on and, track and field. Yeah, and track forever. And yeah. obviously in the beginning, it was just moving around and running around. But then I went on a sports school with 10. That's like the middle school in the US. And so I still had a lot of fun and just moved around because I loved it. And with getting but also more serious, starting at German national championships, in my age group, I obviously wanted to do it more professionally and had a pretty good training environment, had everything set up for a pretty young age already. But also most people in my environment had the belief that lighter equals faster. And mm-hmm. then when I got to the age 14, 15, where you get into puberty, I was really afraid of getting into that and also gaining weight because of the hormonal changes that are necessary for that. And there were strict beliefs about food and my environment there really thought about good food and bad food. So I thought about food like that as well and kind of developed anxiety about eating certain foods or knowing I'm not allowed to eat certain foods because they would make me slower. And I just wanted to be as good as possible. So I did not want to eat that food. And then someone even recommended me a specific diet, how I can lose some weight. And I was 16 years old and started to follow that diet, which was looking back now, not enough at all, especially not for someone who's growing up and doing sports on a more or less professional way and really moving around the whole time, going to school, which is just exhausting. Right. And I did all that because in my opinion, that was the way how I should feel myself and what is the best thing to do during that time of life. And I really thought about good foods and bad foods and had honestly, after a while, no idea how much I should eat or not because I always wanted to get lighter, to get better. 
And one thing also, no one really ever talked about the importance of our period. And mm-hmm. in my whole training school, we all kind of had that thoughts about food in a good and bad way. So we all had the same beliefs. And that's why no one of us noticed that this is maybe not the best relationship with food. And I for myself can say that I got my period like way later than what you usually should get your period. And also I never had my period during competition season, even though I was older then. And I thought that's just normal because it's just a lot of stress and even thought it's nice because I don't have to handle with that during the competitions. But with looking back, I don't think that that was the best way. And I especially think that going through puberty and having these kind of environments in these age groups can be super dangerous and can lead to, in the end, relationships with food that I went through. And I really had the biggest problem with knowing what can I eat? What am I allowed to eat in, quote unquote? Because I definitely did not thought that I can eat whatever I want. And yeah. so when I heard about intuitive eating, I knew that I should eat when I'm hungry, which was even something new for me. But it was still difficult to start eating whatever I want because I did not know what I want as I completely dislearned my ability to listen to my body Mm -hmm. and also some basic basic things like how much you need to eat was something what I was also not aware of and I think these were the biggest things yeah you know and I whether it be track and field, you know, gymnastics, wrestling, it could be within your sport, like the sport culture. It might have nothing to do with the sport and it can just be, you know, certain people that are in that environment, or it could be nothing related to athletics and more in your personal home. Um, Just the influence that our environment has on developing these beliefs that you're talking about these beliefs about food, the beliefs about body, the beliefs about weight. In your situation, you develop these beliefs because that's what everybody else had. It was very normalized, which also then doesn't make it seem like a disorder, right? It's like, how can something be wrong if this is what everybody's doing? This is what everybody's recommending. This is what is considered, quote, normal, which is is why I think for many years, You didn't identify it as a problem, although it did create anxiety. It did create, you know, difficulties with food, but it was just like, this is, it was almost like this acceptance of this is the way it is. Right. Yeah, definitely. I was not aware of that. And even in that periods of time, I was not aware that I was maybe a little bit anxious about food because that was just like you said, normal for me. And also seeing other people around you that have the same eating habits, you think that's right. Or you look up to other people that may look super lean and eating just quote unquote healthy, 
you think you have to do exactly the same to be the best athlete you want to get. And with this, I was not aware at all that this was not the best relationship you can have with food. Or mm. I would even say I did not even knew what that you can have a specific relationship with food. And yeah, even that term relationship with food, that wasn't even on your radar. <laughs> no, I really never knew that. I never thought about it. And yeah, no one was talking about it. So no one told me that it may can be different. And that's why, like I said in the beginning, it's so important for me now to spread out the message that it can be different and that it does not have to be the way as maybe someone who's listening right now think it has to be because that's just not the truth. And also just with looking back, realizing how much energy it costs to be focused that much on food all the time and having the kind of anxiety about some foods or thinking about my body, how it looks. And I mean, track and field, everyone knows what kind of clothes we are wearing as well. And just that the body image is always something that was on my mind and really learning that it is not about the body in the end because track and field is a metric sport, which is pretty nice. So yeah. you just should focus on your performance and not on your appearance or your weight or you look how the photos after the competition may look like. Fans, I hope you are enjoying the conversation. We are going to take a quick pause so I can tell you about our partners. They are so valuable in providing you with amazing products and helping keep this podcast going. First, Prevenix. Thanks to their incredible Joint Health Plus product, my aches and pains from running and honestly being a new mom, as crazy as that sounds, have literally disappeared as I continue to push my body physically as an athlete and frankly, as I continue to age, I was shocked at the aches I was beginning to feel in my knees, wrists, ankles. It seemed like omega-3s, curcumin, nothing was really working. But after just one month of Joint Health Plus from Prevenix, I felt a drastic improvement. Honestly, this is something I rarely experience with supplements, but Prevenix uses quality ingredients backed by sound science. Their products are pharmaceutical grade with extensive testing for safety, quality, and purity. They offer other supplements, including probiotics, omega, immune health, and a multivitamin, which I also use daily. And the science behind their multi has changed my opinion on multivitamins altogether. I used to never recommend them or take them myself. And now I recommend and take Prevnex Multivitamin Mineral and Antioxidant Plus daily. I am so impressed with Prevnex and I can't wait for you to try. You can get 15% off your first order using the code RISEUP at checkout. The company also offers 100% money back guarantee within 30 days because they stand by their products. And so do I. Head to Prevnex.com, P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com and use the code Rise up, one word at checkout for 15% off. Thanks to Inside Tracker, I can get insights and feedback on my blood biomarkers whenever I want to. No more waiting for doctor's visits and them telling you you're fine. Instead, you are in control of your health with Inside Tracker. 
for 20% off any of their products, blood biomarker testing, DNA kit, inner age, head to InsideTracker.com and use the code RISEUP. Take your health into your own hands. For nutritional shakes and bars to fuel your body, head to Orgain.com and use the code RISEUP30 for 30% off your first order. Orgain's ready-to-drink nutritional shakes are my go-to to throw in my bag when I'm heading to the gym or to a trail to run so that when I'm done, I've got a recovery option to refuel and rehydrate with right away. Orgain makes nutrition and sports nutrition that works. For repeat customers, check the show notes for more. And again, first-time customers, head to orgain.com and use the code RISEUP30, all caps. Health, wellness, and fitness coaches, listen up. Practice Better is the all-in-one platform that I use to manage my business and my clients. From client scheduling and messaging, hosting sessions, taking notes, creating modules, invoicing, telehealth, building reports, and more... Practice Better is the better way to manage your practice as a nutrition or health or fitness coach. Look no further. Use the link in our show notes and use the code RISEUP20 for 20% off your first four months plus a 14-day free trial. I've been using Practice Better since the inception of my business, Rise Up Nutrition, and I couldn't be happier. Again, the code is RISEUP20, all caps. Use the link in our show notes for 20% off your first four months and a 14-day free trial. And last, ladies, moms, every mom is an athlete. That's why Jen and Carrie have designed the best nursing and pumping sports bras. I cannot rave about these enough. I hate that most maternity bras have clips and don't support being active, but Jen and Carrie get that because they're moms and athletes themselves. They want you to be a mom and an athlete. So their stylish and athletic high-impact bras allow you to crush your workout and then feed your baby with comfort and style. They have saved me during this time of my life, keeping up with sport and momming. Please go check them out at jenandcarry.com and use the code RISEUP10 for $10 off your order. You won't regret it. Again, jenandcarry.com, RISEUP, all caps, RISEUP10 for $10 off. Let's get back to the episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, even I resonate with your story, Elena, because in hindsight, thinking about myself, like I had a lot of habits and behaviors and beliefs around food and body that developed at a similar age around high school timeframe, you know, adolescence. And at that time, I I didn't realize it was wrong or I didn't realize it was disordered. It was just how I operated. And for me, you know, when I, and I still, even when I realized it was a problem, I still wouldn't have called it like a disorder by any means, but it was like, as time went on and I was, whether it be trying to challenge my body physically in a different way or experience life differently and like was running into problems, that's when it was like, okay, I can't keep operating how I was before. I can't keep trying to lose five pounds because it's exhausting and it doesn't work. I can't keep being so concerned over my body image all the time because it's not making me happy anymore. Right. So it's like at that point for me, at least it, I was doing things in an unhealthy way, but I didn't realize it until years later. And it's in hindsight now, which I think is what you're sharing with people as well. It's like, that's fine for you and I to realize these things in hindsight and get help when, when needed. But it's also would be great if 
the environment changed, if parents maybe picked up on these things in their children sooner, or if the training environment didn't hold these negative beliefs about, you know, lighter equals faster, or that there is good food, bad food, or there's one right way of eating. Like, what if we could spread the conversation that it doesn't have to be that way, that there's no such thing as a good food or a bad food, that all foods are allowed, that nutrition's individualized, that a lot of things affect performance aside from just weight. And if we started to change that narrative, then those habits and beliefs wouldn't even develop in the first place. Because I, I, if you've listened to this podcast, you've probably heard me say it before, but I'll share it again, that going on a diet in adolescent years is actually one of the strongest predictors for developing an eating disorder later in life. So it's those beliefs, those habits and behaviors in your adolescent years, which we're doing because we're young and we don't know better. And we're just doing what, you know, those around us, the elders or our peers are doing. And it actually is what's one of the strongest predictors for developing an eating disorder later in life. And so we kind of want to start to share that narrative and start to change the message so that the environment can be one that is allowing more food, allowing more types of food, and certainly disassociating body image from performance or weight from performance so strongly. Yes, I think one big thing is also just people see maybe the look from certain athletes and maybe even some specific eating behaviors. But what most people don't see is really the mental side of the struggles that you have. And that was something what was way more difficult for me than really starting to fueling myself because that part is kind of more straightforward because you can work with a diet dietitian like you and you will tell us eat this this and this and we will learn what we need to eat but really seeing the mental side from the struggles after a not good relationship with food is way bigger than mm -hmm. just starting to eat normally and this was something what was biggest for me and also the most difficult one because I knew how to eat after working with you or also just reading about it and trying to get the perfect quote-unquote diet for me. But that's also something like you don't have to be perfect because perfect is sometimes just too much. And just as when you have a specific diet, You get a lot of certainty with that as well. And letting mm -hmm. go this relationship with food will first gives you less, less certainty. And this is also something which is pretty difficult on the mental side. First, you have to find something new instead of your thoughts about food and your body, because you're always thinking about that. So mm -hmm. when you relearn your relationship, you have like so much more time to think about different things, which is super important, but also difficult. And yeah. this is something what was the biggest lesson for me and also something what no one can take off of you. You have to work on your mental side. You have to really do the 
homeworks that maybe Lindsay gives you or even yourself, you sometimes know what you have to do, but you don't want to do it because it's hard, but you have to work on your mental side. And that takes way more energy and time than what you maybe think in the beginning. And I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it is hard and there will be hard times. And you think like, oh, I just want to go back. It was easier back then because you did not realize how much it impacted you. But it will be worth it to work on it. And mm -hmm. also to go through something like this in my age now, I'm starting to be grateful for it because that's the only way I can think about it. Because now I have so many years where I have more time or energy to think about different things and to do different things. And this was definitely a mental shift for me where I started to see kind of benefits from it because I learned a lot about it and I cannot change my past, but I just can think. Right. I can just change how I'm thinking about it nowadays. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm going to pause you because I feel like you hit on yeah. a few really good things that I just want to like hit home for our listeners. The first thing that you mentioned was just, you know, really, this was more of a mental struggle for you. And, and you're actually studying psychology. Like you're like really. Yeah. Biomedical like, science. Oh, biomedical science. I thought you were studying psychology in Germany. No, biochemistry. Just interested. Yes. Okay. You just do a lot of personal research in yeah. psychology. <laughs> okay. Um, so for you, this was really the mental, the mental struggle. And you had spent a lot of, I think, personal time and effort like researching into psychology and how the mind works. And and I just want to really stress this for listeners that you are deserving of care or help or a program, even if you think there's no like over physical signs or symptoms of something being wrong. That internal and mental struggle is worth getting help for. And we can actually say, I will say, Elena, I think there have been things physically that have improved, like having an injury-free, you know, season recently and stuff. But like, at, even when you came to me over a year ago, I, you even vocalized to me, like, I'm, I'm okay physically. Like, it's, it's more this mental, what's going on in my head. I'm constantly thinking, worrying, what do I eat? How much do I eat? Is that good? Is that bad? Will that affect my weight? It's It was a constant thought in your brain every day and it was exhausting. And then that affects you. How can you concentrate on your studies? How can you be present with your family members and loved ones? How can you be in a relationship or be social when you've got that burden on your mind? And that self-consciousness as well. Are you truly even really being yourself if we're always self-conscious about what we eat or how we look? And so I just really want to stress on that, that this is worthy if you're having more of that, that constant mental burden, that that's worthy of trying to figure this out. And so you were, you were doing that on your own of trying to figure out the psychology, reading that intuitive eating book. But then when we did start working together, and like you said, okay, right away, you 
you learn nutrition. Okay. I, I, you know, this is what I need to eat pre and post workout. And those things were important because there were some habits that, you know, from an actual like nutrition standpoint, maybe we weren't optimizing because those beliefs were holding you back of lighter equals faster or something like that. And so it was like, okay, we're going to optimize your actual nutrition. But what we really focused on in our time together was the mental work. And it did take effort. It did take work. And as you were mentioning, this relationship with food, that term, your relationship with food, really, it was a process of your relationship with yourself, right? (laughs) Because if we're not thinking about food, then what are we thinking about? (laughs) If we're not stressing about food, what, you know, what is our focus going to? So we really, it's freeing. Oh my gosh, I don't think about food as much, but we really have to work on our relationship with ourselves and maybe our values and in the end, that's yeah. not about the food. Mm-hmm. It's just something which takes place instead of maybe something else. And yeah, really starting to be grateful for something and journaling is something what was or is my favorite thing and mm-hmm. stopping to overthink with journaling and re-questioning my beliefs or all the thoughts that coming up all the time in my head and not just believing them and instead re-questioning them and writing them down and asking myself multiple times, is that really true? And finding techniques like that is really helpful to heal my relationship with food and to get a better relationship with myself and accept myself the way I am and not feeling like I have to change myself or to change to be accepted from other people or even from myself in the end and just accepting myself the way I am. And yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was really as I had all the beliefs inside and felt like some foods or some amounts of food I'm not allowed to eat was working with you and Jenna to learn that I'm allowed to eat food, a lot of food, and to eat big, a big meal for lunch and dinner. And then I even need that for recovering and kind of mm-hmm. even the really listening or hearing that from someone who is a professional and knows that was already a huge benefit for me as mm-hmm. I just started to learn that I need more food than what I thought I need and mm-hmm. that I'm allowed to eat that much food. And when I'm hungry, that I can eat that without feeling bad after mm-hmm. eating it. And I mean, that also shows that this is the mental factor because just getting the allowance of eating yeah. a whole meal, a whole lunch, and that I even need that was something what changed a lot like immediately. Yeah. yeah. And then and also, I think that, that yeah. permission to eat, oh, sorry to cut you off. I was just gonna say like that permission to eat the allowance is so important. And, but here's the, I just also want to stress though, for people who are still struggling with that, that's the value of working with somebody because you can hear it on this podcast and say, okay, all food is allowed. So then why can't I actually do it in my life? Right. And it's going back to what Elena was saying about, the mindset work is work. 
you know, that in working in this program, we didn't just say, yes, Elena, you're allowed to eat that. We then showed her like, all right, well, let's try it on this day in this recipe around this time. And then we'll have a session. We'll talk about it. And then here's a journaling technique for you to do all week long as you're going through this challenge of incorporating this food back into your diet or into your diet or something like that. And really guiding her through those steps. And you showed up not just to your sessions ready to work through it, but in your life in between sessions with these tools and kind of guidance that we were giving you so that you could put in that effort and put in the work. And then it's like, okay, every week I'm I'm seeing little bits of progress and I'm able to even if it wasn't identified as progress right away, learn from it, right? This is a quote that I just love saying to all of our clients here is you either win or you learn, okay? So even if we give you a little challenge or an exercise and, oh, that didn't go well or that felt awful, I I don't think you ever did this, but I'm just giving a random example. I ate ice cream before practice. That was not like that didn't work out for me. Okay, so we can learn from that. It means you have permission to eat ice cream. But now you're learning, maybe I don't want to eat it before practice. Okay, so then the next week, when do we want to eat ice cream? Or how much? Maybe you can eat ice cream before practice, but a certain amount that feels right to your body, right? These are like the ongoing things that we're working through. And that's why the mental side, it's not a, it that allowance and that permission to eat is so important. But I think there's so much more beyond that. And that's where having professionals help you through it. And is so important. One more thing I just want to add is we, it's myself and Jenna that worked very close to you. And we do have a mindset coach on our team as well, who helped you through a lot of this as well to kind of dig into just more of these mind mindset things that were really needed. Yeah. I was really grateful for just the wide possibilities I had with working with you all, because it was not just focused on the food. It was focused on everything that I needed. And like we said, the mental side was more difficult for me. And to learn about the nutrition facts in your modules, but then talking with you and Jenna about my mental side and also working with the mental, mental coach was mm -hmm. something what really helped me to understand it and working on it and getting my ways how to handle some situations. Hey fans, I hope you are enjoying this conversation so far and we'll be back to it in just a moment. But first, I want to pause and let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Female Athlete System of Transformation, aka the fast track to overcome disordered eating and use food as fuel to perform at your highest level. The Female Athlete System of Transformation is my unique program and proven systems to guide female athletes to understanding and implementing the proper nutrition for their sport, life, and health. Myself and my team of registered sports dietitians work one-on-one -on -one with clients to address their unique needs and counsel them through the nutritional and behavioral changes needed. Many female athletes who resonate with disordered eating, mental guilt around food and body, relative energy deficiency in sport or female athlete triad, amenorrhea, repeat injuries due to negligent nutrition, or frankly, just a lack of knowledge and understanding on their fueling needs have seen incredible success in the fast track. After years of working as a sports RD, I've compiled the most effective ways for female athletes to learn nutrition, be supported, 
be challenged, and ultimately find their success with fueling as fast as possible. So don't wait another day. Get to your goals faster by joining the Female Athlete System of Transformation. Look in the show notes or head to the website to book a free call and learn more. Okay, now let's get you back to the conversation. Enjoy. So let's do a little bit of a a fast forward with going back to the beginning and this concept of intuitive eating that you were so curious about. You know, if what would you say about that now? Do you feel that you eat pretty intuitively? Do you believe that intuitive eating and being an athlete can happen at the same time? What are your thoughts on that now after working together? That's a pretty good question. I would say intuitive eating means mainly for me listening to my body and to my hunger cues and really doing what my body wants to get and eating that what it tells me but at the same time, eating a pre-workout snack and eating a post-workout snack is something that I do even though I'm not hungry. Mm-hmm. Especially after a hard workout, I'm mostly not hungry because just of all the hormones my body produced during the session, it kind of lets you be not hungry. So still eating the post-workout snack is something which is super important. And that's why I would maybe not call it intuitive eating the way the book was written. It's more, in the end, my personalized version of how it fits for me. Mm-hmm. But Oh, I love that, though. Because <laughs> I don't want people to think that intuitive eating is the answer for everything. Just like I don't want people to think, you know, doing intermittent fasting is the answer for everything or that the whole 30 is the answer for everything. I don't want people to think intuitive eating is the answer for everything. Yeah, I think in but the it end, certainly is. there's no answer for anything. <laughs> like everyone has to figuring out their own way, how they want to eat. Yeah. And I can say personally, I really, I'm still working on it, but to getting more food freedom and allowing myself whatever I want to eat is something which was big and that I'm listening to my body. And when I want to eat that ice cream, that I'm going to eat that ice cream, I would not eat it before practice. No, (laughs) I didn't didn't think you would. (laughs) Just because I know that would not help me. And just performance-wise that I would not feel good. And Mm -hmm. one thing that may not everyone understands really about intuitive eating is the one thing you allow yourself to eat everything that you want to eat and when you are hungry, but it also means that you eat what is good for your body. So just because you want to eat a tub of ice cream does not mean that you're going to eat that every night or so because you would not feel good about that after a while. Oh, and I, I think this is one of the biggest misconceptions with intuitive eating is people think, well, I want I want a tub of ice cream every single night. Okay, but if if you gave yourself permission and actually do that, and maybe you actually do need to do that for a whole week and then and then figure out like, so do I actually feel good? Is that really what I wanted? Am I really living my best life right now? And now if your answer is yes, then you have permission to do that. 
Yeah, totally. Right. But if your answer is no, I didn't have a great practice the next day or you know what, it was really great the first three nights. And then I started not, I started feeling sick or like, I didn't even want it anymore. Then it's like, okay. So that then, then that wasn't, you know, being in tune with your body. And I think ultimately what you're saying to Elena, which I really want to express to athletes about the misconceptions of intuitive eating, you're, you're listening to your body no matter what. So maybe it doesn't feel natural to eat post-workout. But if you don't eat post-workout, then you're more sore, then you're more cranky, then you're starving for dinner. And so you're learning, you're actually are listening to your body by eating when you're not hungry post-workout because you've learned from past experiences or the day before or the week prior, and you are being in tune with your body. And that's exactly why you might eat in this moment when you're not hungry. So if we are talking about truly intuitive eating, there's there's 10 principles of it. And the 10th principle is to honor your body with gentle nutrition, meaning you have permission to eat whatever you want, whenever you want. There's no food rules. There's no food police to arrest you. It's treating your body with, with kindness and, and movement and learning to cope with your emotions. And then one of the 10th principle is to honor your body with gentle nutrition, which ultimately means that nutrition does affect your physical body and therefore mental body as well. And we want to honor that. It's like eating, maybe eating ice cream every single night doesn't make me feel good. Okay. But maybe eating it every other night does, or just a couple nights a week. Like it's honoring how your body is feeling throughout this process. And that's what you've done such a good job at, Elena throughout this is, okay, I'm, I'm not going to fit myself into this box of this is how I eat, or I am an intuitive eater, but I'm going to honor, I'm going to listen to my body very closely day to day and week to week to figure out what works for me. And that's where I would say you've like your, you know, your transformation is whether you call it intuitive eating or not, that's where you truly are fueling, nourishing, respecting, honoring your body in with food in ways that you really didn't for, you know, a decade prior. Yes. Yeah. I think also that this is huge to really have the food freedom. And as a college student athlete, I'm still doing like a kind of meal prepping and planning what do I eat for lunch when I know I have a hard session in the afternoon or I have a specific meal that I eat before my competitions. And I know how my body reacts to certain foods. So I really like to do my own food most of the time just because I know how my body will respond and that I'm going to be able to perform with that kind of food without being, without eating something where I'm, my not going to respond good or just don't know how I'm going to respond before competition. So that's why I'm still planning it, but what I changed is I have different snacks that I'm taking with me. So I have uh-huh. still a variety when I'm going to be hungry and I want to have something sweet. I have something with me or I have different things in my bag all the time. So I can have a snack when I need a snack. And when I'm getting hangry or me personally, I'm getting a little cold because before I'm going to feel the hunger in my stomach. 
So mm-hmm. at that time, I know, okay, my concentration is getting a little bit lower and I'm getting colder. I may need to eat like a small granola bar or so. And then I can eat my lunch during the time that I have. Because when you have a fixed schedule, it's difficult to always eat the whole meal when you are hungry, hungry. So right. there's still a plan behind it, but I kind of... And that that's totally allowed, right? You can still be honoring your body and what you want to eat and honoring your hunger and fullness while still being practical about it. Yes. Right. That's what we call practical eating. And I think anybody with a busy schedule, which is definitely you as a college student athlete, we need practical eating in there. And I think even just, again, working together and working through, okay, well, let's plan this out with our guidance as to like, you know, what we think could work for you. And then how did it feel? And then we can adjust. And and that's how you've learned, right? If you kept doing things the way you were doing things of years past, nothing would have ever changed. And so in working together, we were able to figure out like, what are what are some of these good meals? What's the more variety that we need that gives you more food variety, more food freedom while still working with the practical realities of what you need to sustain your very busy day and your energy levels as an athlete? Yes, and really reflecting how I felt and also being mindful during eating so that I'm listening. Do I like that or do I don't like that? Because that was something that I had to relearn as I honestly sometimes was not able to say, I don't eat that because I don't like it, or I don't eat that because I'm not allowed to eat it. So I don't like chocolate. We see that a lot. I don't like chocolate and I don't eat chocolate, but I was not sure after a while, do I don't like chocolate or do I don't eat chocolate because I'm not allowed to eat it? And the same with some kind of ice cream flavors. I really relearned it and I love fruit ice cream, but I forbid myself for such a long time to eat dairy ice cream. So in the beginning, I ate way more dairy ice cream than I'm doing now because I know I'm allowed to eat it, but I may don't want to eat it all the time because I really love fruit ice cream as well. So relearning things like that was something what takes time and working with you, Jenna, and being in the fast track was the step where I started to learn things. But after graduating from the fast track, you still have to work on your own and doing everything that you got to teach there and challenging yourself further and learning how to do it in a practical way how you can live with it and not how anyone else may think it's best because that's something diet does not can be perfect or has to be perfect. So just don't try to be perfect all the time and listening to yourself and figuring out what, what you like, what you don't like. And when someone says, oh, I cannot understand why you don't like chocolate, just accept it. It's not important. <laughs> right. Well, and I think even what you just said of, of somebody who feels that strongly of like maybe jealousy or like, what? You don't like chocolate? What? That's probably because of their own like 
and if you're offended by this, I'm sorry, I'm making an assumption here, but very often when you express like jealousy towards, how can you do that? How can you just say no to chocolate? It's because like, you've probably been restricting yourself or telling yourself, don't eat chocolate or chocolate's bad. And then it's creating this weird tension with food and this, like, I want it, but I'm not allowed it. And oh my gosh, Elena just doesn't eat chocolate. Like, how does she do that? And it's like, well, it's, it's not a rule that she's saying she can't. It's because she's gone through this process of really figuring out what do I like? What don't I like? So that she can confidently say yes to certain foods and confidently say no to others. And it doesn't phase her. (laughs) And so that's her relationship with food. And if you're judging somebody else's relationship with food, maybe what you really need to do is work on your own relationship with food first. So Elena, I think you just shared some really good kind of advice, but I want to give you a moment if you'd like to. Actually, there's two more things. I gotta, I've got to wrap this up, but there's two more things I want to hit on. First, if, if you could just briefly share with our audience, because this is more of a mental thing for you, how did this affect your performance as an athlete? So even though it was a mental thing, I definitely also restricted a long time. I had a long period of time where I had injuries that were stress-related, bone injuries, and were pre-occurring all the time, coming again. Mm -hmm. So I was injured from 2018, 19, and 20, mainly all the time. I also had a surgery after that. So I cannot say I'm just healthy because of fixing my relationship with food. But Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it's also a huge impact on the food side why I am injury-free since then Mm -hmm. and starting to take post-recovery workouts felt me immediately better. I was less sore and I just learned you don't have to be sore after a hard session. You Mm -hmm. actually still can feel good the next day. You're obviously Mm -hmm. a little bit tired. But you don't have to be feel that sore as I sometimes did. So just starting to feel myself properly and eating enough helped me with recover better. And mm-hmm. performance-wise, in the beginning, it was even sometimes harder because with going through the process in healing your relationship with food, there's also a lot that coming up in your mind. And where you just have to work mentally on it, which, like I said, can be sometimes harder than it may was before. But now with being in a better place, and I'm still working on it, but with being in a better place, I definitely can focus more on the moment and mm-hmm. focusing on my performance, being in the competition for running fast, giving my best without caring care about what other people think about my look. And this just helps me definitely to perform better. And being injury-free is, in my opinion, the main thing because being able to practice for a longer period of time, you can just get better, faster, stronger. And then my performance will improve. And I can say that, that I'm, still have a lot of goals and yeah I may would not never have had been able to even set these goals and now I am confident enough to set myself high goals and Mm -hmm. working on it to 
achieve these things. Yeah. So feeling less sore happened pretty immediately, which is great. Reflecting on I'm injury free and we know there's lots of reasons for injuries in athletes and it's not solely related to nutrition, but it is something to just reflect on and be like, okay, I'm, I'm getting more training sessions in and then the ability to get to the starting line and show up at practice and actually focus and put your attention where it needs to be instead of on food or on body or on insecurities, all of these things are contributing to helping you be in many ways, a better athlete. So Amazing work, Elena. And the last thing I want to ask you, even though I think this entire podcast episode was you sharing great advice, but do you have any like final advice or words of wisdom for other athletes who may have, you know, walked in your shoes and have experienced some of the struggles of having in a training environment that maybe created some bad habits around food or body or a, a diet mentality, being concerned about weight or, you know, somebody who hasn't given themselves permission to, to explore their options with food as, as much, what would your advice be to them? So one big advice is definitely first, it is okay to struggle and you don't have to feel ashamed for that because a lot of people struggle. And in the end, it's the strongest thing that you can do is seeking out for help and getting help and also don't tell yourself you may are not struggling enough to deserve help or you will figuring that out on your own you may will figure that out on your own in the future but with getting help you will do it way faster and easier so really my advice is being honest to yourself that you may struggle and then looking for help and getting the help you need, as Lindsay always says as well. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Elena. And then do you want to do our questions that yes. every guest gets? I'm so yes. excited. <laughs> That's the reason why I'm on the podcast <laughs> for these final few questions. Well, I'm, ex- I'm so excited to hear your answers now. All right. Yeah, they are not that specific or special. I'm sorry. <laughs> if there was one food you could eat every single day for the rest of your life and never get sick of it, what would it be? So it would be pasta as mm-hmm. you can eat pasta on that many different ways. And so many ways. One thing I always thought about that question. So the first time I thought it, I thought you asked like that I'm allowed to eat just one food the whole life. But yeah, yeah. It means like eating one food just every day, every day, but you still eat all the other foods as well. Yes. Yeah. I think pasta is a great answer. I can see why that's the winner for you. (laughs) Yeah. It's just such a lot of variety. And Mm -hmm. also, I always know my body responds good to it. I can eat it before um, practice. And Mm -hmm. it just gives me energy and joy. Amazing. What is your favorite sport to participate in? Yeah, like I said, I'm doing track and field since I'm four. I did do other sports as well. But track is definitely my favorite one. And I'm a front hurdler now. And I really love the hurdles. And also kind of lactic pain. So I would also say the 400 hurdles are my favorite event. 
even though the nerves before that are sometimes hard. That was my event in college too. It's it's a great race. I love the hurdles because it's it's the speed, but also the technique at the same time. Yeah. An amazing event. Yeah. And you never know what happens because you can mess up in the end. But what I also love about it is you can really improve pretty quickly just with getting a new rhythm without mm -hmm. maybe improve performance wise, like physically wise that much, but you still can have a huge jump into in your performance. Right, right. That technique piece of it. Now, how about as a spectator? Is it still track and field or is there another sport that you love to watch? It is still track and field and it's also the 400 hurdles. But yeah. I also love to watch heptathlon as I was in heptathlete before. Yeah. So I still feel kind of connected to that too. And yeah. yeah, but I also like the relays. So in general, track and field, definitely. Just all of track and field, right? That That's the best thing about track and field. There's so much going on. So yeah. <laughs> something for everybody. All right. And then last question, Elena, if there's a female athlete out there that you want to give a shout out to for being a role model for any reason in your personal life or somebody well-known, who might that be and why? So I thought about that one for a long time. I would go with Eddie Ostrander right now mm -hmm. as she really shares some important messages. And what I think is most inspiring is that she came out about her eating disorder at a time where she was still in treatment. And that is something which is way more rare because most people talking about it when they overcame it, but she really started to talk about it when she was in it. And I also want to give a shout out to one of my friends. Her name is Vanessa, as she really feels herself fierce fit and She's also just fierce fit and fueled and eats what she wants to eat and really embracing listening to her own body without ever went through some problems. And I think that is pretty unique and why I really looking up for to her as well. Amazing. So to Ali Ostrander and to Vanessa for for being yeah, fierce, fit, fueled, honest. And Elena, thank you so much for being the same, for being honest in today's conversation with your journey. And I think really being an inspiration to others of how they can transform in a short amount of time and how they can work through both physical and mental struggles with food and things can be different and it doesn't have to be the story that you were told, you know, when you were 14, 15 years old, you can make a change for yourself. You're proof of that. So thank you, Elena. Yeah, thank you so much for giving me a platform for talking about it. And I really appreciate your podcast and everything you do. Well, I do it because of you, Elena. I do it for you. So, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in. We'll see you on the next one. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and thanks for listening. But before I let you go, I have free resources that you can have access to right away, right now, so that you can start fueling your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. 
First, I have your Red S recovery race. If you've ever wondered if you might be struggling with Red S, curious to learn more, or know you have Red S and are looking to recover fast, then you can head to www.riseupnutritionrun.com slash Red S and download the Red S recovery race. See how you place and figure out the next steps to recovery. Plus, while there, I have a few other great resources for you, including three nutrition secrets that every elite athlete swears by and access to our private Facebook community, Female Athlete Nutrition. So again, to gain access to all of this, head to riseupnutritionrun.com slash red S that's backslash R E D S and you can gain access and get the help you need fast. Too many girls and women and female athletes struggle with nutrition, but you don't have to any longer become fierce, fit and fueled links in the show notes, and I'll see you next time.